people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello and welcome to People Strategy Leaders Podcast. This is Sri Chalapa. Today, I'm joined with an amazing individual and a leader from Predictive Index, uh, Drew. Now, Drew is a people-first, values-driven leader with over 20 years of growth strategy and team-building experience across retail, marketing technology, local media, and HR tech. He was a chief growth officer at Predictive Index and spent over seven years leading the company's strategy to build the world's first talent optimization platform. He's obsessed with shift in technology to, in imposing the employee-employer relationship and is now the CEO of Lever Talent, a talent strategy agency, a company he recently founded to help leaders everywhere lean into this shift. Well, welcome to the show, Drew. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, Shri. I'm delighted to be here. So, you know, you obviously done a great, great job uh, growing the company with Predictive Index. You know, everybody knows, everybody in HR, I, I think, would know Predictive Index, and you're the chief growth officer there. Um, so let's talk about what made you make this jump uh, to starting a new initiative or a new company, Lever Talent. Um, so tell me about, you know, what was the impetus behind that? Yeah, sure. So... Yeah, spending the last seven years at the Predictive Index, um, which I recently left and now um, founded Lever Talent, um, have been intimately uh, involved in understanding what is happening in the market uh, in this shift of compassionate leadership, values, aligning people strategy to business strategy. And for the past few years, I've been looking at this and saying like, hey, there's this trend, this adoption of what PI um, coined talent optimization and that discipline and methodology, what's causing it, right? Um, and the way that I like to, the way that I like to talk about this, Shri, is take a step back and, and think for a moment, like, I believe that the employee-employer relationship is broken. The essence of business is to be human, is humanity, is two individuals exchanging value, exchanging goods, realizing that together their wealth and happiness is far greater than apart. And you know this, Shri, deep down, we are programmed to find work that identifies with our values, and we want to be with those who share them. That's actually the linchpin to creating employee engagement, right? If you can turn right. your how your company works into a lifestyle, you're naturally going to attract those that naturally identify with it. And that's how you win, right? And unfortunately, these days, the employees have little to no leverage. And this isn't new, right? This started with the Industrial Revolution, which is effectively the commoditization of work. But thankfully, we're actually starting to see signs that this leverage is shifting and employees are getting more leverage. And I think recently, because of the pandemic, the pandemic didn't cause it, but it accelerated the shift. That's why compassionate leadership, culture, values, empathy, right? 
I actually think it's working remotely that reminded us just how critical these elements are and actually made so many of us leaders and businesses realize that we're just not spending enough time and attention on it, right? And what I love about this is it's reminded us, it goes back to the essence of business being human, that all business is personal. The employee-employer relationship is so personal. And without that, business is awfully fragile. Right. So you know you 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 know want to know what's causing this macro level shift. It's technology. And that this has been my fascination, right? The proliferation of technology, of artificial intelligence. It's it's accelerating the commoditization of the transactional roles in work and the objective decision-making that is being done in the workplace. And it's shifting our reliance on humans to the things that are more subjective, right? To the relational components of work. That's human relationships, but it's also those that are able to find the relationship between disparate sets of data that machines can't. And this shift has been happening it's happened most in technology and business services to date because we, we make intangibles. Therefore, we have to focus on the people. That's why we have compassionate leadership. That's why we have these brilliant case studies coming out of Google the last 20 years on compassionate leadership and psychological safety in the workplace because that's their business, right? So contrary to popular belief, the machines aren't replacing humans. It's allowing humans to do more meaningful work. And I actually think that this shift is going to make it so that we celebrate more of those that can do the magic of the subjective decision-making, the relationships in business. And as we celebrate those people, we're going to reward them dearly and they're going to demand top dollar. And I actually think that we know that the shift will have occurred when these people can actually support an ecosystem that I call free at free agent talent representation. So imagine a world where I represent you and I negotiate your contracts. I help you leverage your career, right? And we work together and we share in the upside of your career of your career advancement. Now we're not there. We're like a decade or two off from that happening, right? But this is the concept of leverage and why I founded Lever Talent is to, let's as businesses lean into the shift, it is happening. And let's actually help leaders find leverage in themselves, their teams, their companies, their strategies, help them connect their business strategy to their people strategy. We're going to be happier for it. And we're going to be able to accelerate this awesome shift to a more equ equitable spot between the employee and employer. So um, Drew, as you're saying, talking about that, you know, I'm a huge Cardinals fan, I live in St. Louis, and I, was I couldn't but think about Baseball, right? The movie Jerry Maguire, which is not right. baseball, which is football, yeah. but but similar concept or Moneyball, which was actually more about yes. baseball. So, are you is your analogy similar to that, where you have Jerry Maguire being you being Jerry Maguire and you're representing <laughs> the, the player who's the new who's the you know the sales strategy, sales strategist sure. or marketing strategist sure. or a developer? Yep. Yeah. Whether or not I am Jerry Maguire, I think that's the world that we're looking towards. Jerry Maguire's will exist. Lever Talent does dream one day to get into the business of talent representation. Whether or not we're the Jerry Maguire type is a different story. What I want to focus on is imagine that world where you have representation. Imagine what that does for the gender gap. Imagine what that does for those in, in lower socioeconomic statuses that don't have the luxury right, of the color of their skin or where they come from, imagine that world where you have that representation. That's what gets me so excited about this tree. But yes, uh, this Moneyball topic too, if we think about that, you and I were just talking bef before we turned on this podcast, 
we are in the infancy of performance management. Oh, totally. Understanding, right? It's so subjective right now, right? So this whole shift is also being spurred not just by technology and robots um, automating parts of, of work and our reliance on humans to do the more subjective stuff, but it's also the fact that technology is allowing us to measure and analyze those things, right? That's going to turn it into Moneyball, right? That's going to make it so that those people should be rewarded handsomely because it shows that they they've done it, that they that they can do it. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, um, there are companies who are trying to do that to some extent, very rudimentary at this point. There are com- more successes, I would say, at least they claim it, there are more successes in the recruitment space where they use some kind of a AI and some analysis uh, of the of the of the individual to reduce bias and try to find the best fit based on your culture, based on sure. other, other criteria. Um, but once they are in the, in the organization, you know, it becomes... Uh, who you know, who did you end up working with, which team you ended up at, uh, how the organization culture is, that you maybe you are you don't fit because you are maybe too shy to speak up in meetings and things like that, right? And th- and that doesn't necessarily affect you as a performer, but it affects you as uh, the person getting paid, uh, as a person who can get uh, ahead in, in, in the career. Sure. So there's obviously uh, a lot to be done in that. So Talking about lever talent, you know, is your goal to actually solve some of those problems by have this agency representation for these individuals so that it's uh, it's more equitable to, to them? Yes. Now let, let me let me be clear. Lever talent for the next I'm not going to call it five years. We're not going to be representing talent, right? Because where the leverage is, businesses have the leverage. You talked about a headhunter or a recruiter or a talent agency. They don't represent talent. They represent businesses because the businesses pay them to go and find talent, right? So we need to first focus inside the business. And there are leaders who want to do this, who realize that there is power and magic in helping, helping develop others right? And caring about business and making business personal. I want to just push back on one thing you said, which, uh, Shri, which was it, although somebody may not speak up in meetings, right? That may or may not, that may or may not have to be an indicator of, of their performance, but it is being a judgment of their performance. So we need to figure that out, right? And the more that we can enlighten leaders and organizations to see the soft side of business, as an objective lever, as an accountability lever, and as a performance lever, then I actually think that that'll help accelerate the shift as well. Yeah, because we know from all the studies and data that you know women tend to speak less in a very male-dominated right. meeting, for example. Um, and and if you're a minority, might it might be even different. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 they're also less assertive because they don't want to be considered aggressive. I mean, we saw we saw all of this during the whole debates with Hillary Clinton, and and of course, and so so yeah. obviously we have those biases, uh, consciously or subconsciously. You know, we we do have that. So, I mean, obviously those things have to be resolved as well, and a lot of it is education and really acknowledgement of those biases to begin with. That's absolutely right, which is why Lever Talent is also a certified partner of the Predictive Index because part of move of advancing this world forward is taking those elements that make us human and objectifying them, whether that's through assessment and at an, at engagedly, you're, you're, you're doing this by measurement, right? Individuals, it's almost like user-generated content, right? right? How are you doing it? And, and with enough data, you can, you can objectively triangulate on what is happening, Correct. right? So part of this is exposing that world of tools 
which in itself, by exposing those world of tools, we're going to be like, cool, wouldn't it be awesome if we had a tool that did this and a tool that did that? It's going to naturally accelerate and push forward advancements in more of that technology. So we can actually start to measure this stuff and create this schematic for what makes an amazing person in an amazing situation. So one question I have, and I'm going to probably play a little bit of devil's advocate here. You Love know, it. this seems this seems to be very favorable to people in the knowledge industry, right? What about mm -hmm. the industry where, you know, people are truck drivers, you know, sure. working, you know, shifting pallets across on the factory yep. floor. What about that industry? So I'm so glad you brought that up, right? I've been thinking about like, uh, uh, Gregory Moore's crossing the chasm, the product adoption curve, right? And I have this schematic in my head. Think, think of that same bell curve of product adoption where you have your, you know, early adopters, your majority, your laggards. And think about that as a compassionate leadership adoption curve. Technology and business services, to your point, are on this, right? Because they're people, they're people businesses, knowledge businesses, on the late adoption side of that curve is going to be all these other businesses that you're talking about, which right now are predominantly um, employing, I guess, what would what are roles that are being commoditized. Yes. Right. I don't I think that this shift will eventually reach those roles. But remember, at the same time, the proliferation of technology and automation is happening. So more and more, those people who remain in those roles are going to be doing less of the moving around pallets and the shifting, and they're going to be analyzing data and machines that are going to be doing that and having to make decisions based off of that, right? And, and so I think inherently that's the evolution of, of those roles. And what we're seeing today, even when we think about the commoditized, or you would say white collar, blue, blue collar world. I'm thinking about the Amazon work. Uh, yeah, you know, that is warehouse. This is a this is a this is a moment in time, and I think it's a very small moment in time in the scheme of where this is going. Right for the next 10, 20 years, those roles, as I just said, will continue right to be uh, most proliferated by by technology because technology is still advancing to operate outside of a building in a truck helping the truck drive, right? And, and so naturally these folks who are closest to it, I think the cream of that crop is going to be uh, not uh, displaced, but is actually going to be hired to manage more of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. So let's talk about you as a leader yeah. uh, for a bit. You know, how, how would you define your leadership style? Obviously you've been very successful uh, and the organizations you've run have been very successful. So talk to me a little bit about what are some of your leadership characteristics that have made you so successful? Sure. So I I don't think, I think there are moments when, when we can witness what great leadership looks like. But I think in order to be a great leader, like I, you can't just go work for any company and be a great leader, right? It's the right moment. It's the right fit from like a, from like a product company and your passion perspective, right? It's the stage of that business, and then it's you in there, right? So it's those elements that I think are the environment in which a great leader can thrive. But when I think about for myself, like what makes me a strong leader, right? I'm a go-to-market strategist by trade, right? I'm a growth leader by trade. I focus so much on personal development. 
But I also realize that personal development and focusing on it is useless unless you have a team that is chomping at the bit, that is inspired, that is just so enamored by what they are doing in their role and how they're helping their client or how their product or solution is helping the world. So I think that great leadership is defining, especially these days, a vision. And that vision can't just be, we want to be a big company, right? right? That vision has to be, how are we changing the world? Or how do we play a part in this bigger movement to change the world, right? As we were saying before, like we yearn as humans to be inspired by something bigger than ourselves, right? Something that will positively impact the world. And so the best growth plans, the best strategies have the foundation of a vision that is compelling and big enough. And when I say big enough from a personal development standpoint, big enough to want your employee to be better, right? That demands constant improvement, right? So that's why a vision should be big. In 10 plus years, we want to accomplish this, right? That's why the concept of like a BHAG is, 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 is out there. And if you think of that vision as an umbrella, it should be big enough that people can look up and still stay underneath it, but move around. Oh, that's cool. This, I, I, can, I can stay in the shade of this umbrella, but really what I'm passionate about is this area under, under the umbrella. What if I tinkered with that a little bit, right? Now we have the makings for people to actually make decisions without being micromanaged. If your vision is big enough and everyone's aligned and passionate about where you want to go. So once you've established that, I think you have the best shot at helping your team members realize how their own career development aspirations are mutually beneficial. Because we want to go here, I want to go over here. These kind of match, right? It's alignment. When you, yes, it's when you have that alignment that now you can focus on the personal development, right? And so all of this is like the the early makings of setting your strategy, setting your culture and your values. Because once we know our own superpowers, hey team, this is this is what we're good at. This is what performance looks like now. Based off of our vision, if we want to get there in 10, 10 years, our team has to look like this. Our, our own abilities, wow, we, we really got to beef up in this area, right? And our, and our growth trajectory has to be this steep. Well, in order to do that, what sort of values should we cherish here, right? right? We're going to have to break some stuff or we're going to have to be maniacally focused on precision and process. That feeds into the culture and the values of your team, right? And so I think a lot of times people try to check these boxes in silos, personal development and career growth, culture, values, vision, they all go together. And I think it starts with vision and inspiring people around that. Once you have that person inspired, you say, what role do you want to play in this? And personal development comes, comes out. As a leader, I can honestly say from, from experience, it means you have to do less of the decision-making and more of the celebrating more of the coaching, right? That That's why we're seeing seeing this um, evolution from manager to leader to coach anyways, is because right. of the shift. Yeah. So, you know, that's awesome, right? Because as a leader, less decisions you make, have to make is, so you can strategize better and strategize more. So you can spend more on strategy than being in the business, you'd be working on the business. That's right. But finding those people is obviously a challenge. Not everybody's like that, right? Some people just want to, be at work and be sure to be told tell me what to do i have to be home at five you know yeah whatever whatever the time is so 
and I, I don't blame them. That's you know they, they, that's what they they, they, have prior, they have prioritized their other life over work life, and you know, and that's perfectly in my book. It's perfectly fine as long as they are being honest about it. So, what is your strategy then to find, or what is your approach to find such people that fit in that yeah. culture mindset, if you will? So, I think that's an excellent point. You need both, right? And to me, right, we we spoke at the beginning of this podcast about as like we yearn to find a company and culture that identifies with our values and we want to hang out with people that have the same values. And if your value is I appreciate my family and I don't want to <laughs> work to the bone, that's great. And that's probably a part of a lot of cultures. And by the way, we need people that are going to be coming in every day, getting their work done, focusing on on the things that play into the infrastructure and the processes and moving things through the processes of business, which I think you find more of those people in, right? And then sure, they're, they're, they're the exploring people, the ones that want to go out, that have the entrepreneurial spirit and put in work. I think you need both, right? And I think it's totally fine if somebody on the personal development plan says, I really want to maintain an amazing balance between standing in front of the screen or being at the office or being at the work desk in my personal life. That's amazing. And we should celebrate that. And we should actually help them accomplish that goal. Right. Right. And we shouldn't judge them for it. I think there's far too much judgment happening. I'm so glad that with the pandemic, we're now in a world where it's not like, oh, well, Shri leaves at five every day. Right. Now we don't know really when Shri leaves. And it might be okay if Shri leaves, but he comes back on after his kids go to sleep and he, and he does it on his own volition. That That's great, right? As long as Shri's getting his work done. Yeah, that, that's that's actually absolutely interesting, right? Because I was actually, this is about a year or a year and a half ago, right in the middle of pandemic. I was talking to a CEO uh, of a unicorn company, a startup I will not name, mm-hmm. to protect the innocent here, if you will. <laughs> but... Um, you know, he was, uh, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't definitely, it was definitely during the work hours and he's in his bed and you can see it on the camera, right? He's on his bed and his three year, two year old is climbing literally all over him. Yeah. He's trying to talk to me and then he's moving his phone because the kid is on the <laughs> side and that, and he's doing that. And I was like, you know, this actually is very interesting and it doesn't bother me at all because I was like, this actually could be the world we are in now, right? Yes. Work-life integration where it's fine if you have to go and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I am going need, I need to take care of something. My baby's crying or, or yeah. I have to pick up my daughter. So I'm, I'll be back in an hour. So I can't take a call for the next hour, hour and a half or whatever that is. And it, now it's perfectly fine. Two, three, four years ago, if you said, I need to leave at three every day because I have to pick up my daughter from school or my son from school, and take him or her to yeah. soccer practice or or whatever else that you end up doing as a as a parent, you know it's uh, it was like okay this person is not getting ahead in this in this company or career, um, and that mindset has definitely changed. Yes, and by the way, I think that is more so a, a holdover of this mindset of the commoditization of work. Shri's time is worth money, so when I don't see Shri working. I'm not getting my return on investment, right? So I, I think that's part of this too. And thankfully the pandemic has, has exposed that, right? Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're taking care of your kid. And now, let me, of course, there are some work contexts in hospitality, 
other like uh, we see this in the in the distribution and logistics space. There are some times where yeah, there are roles, right? But that's part of the role, and that's has to do with the compensation of the role, the value of the role. Who wants to do that job, right? Right, right. Um, you know, that's definitely plays into what you are looking to do accomplish with Lever Talent. You know, with the agency representation, because the power shift has started. It started about maybe a year, year and a half ago, right uh, after the pandemic uh, started. Maybe about six months after that. And I think it's it's not going away. People who are you know hoping the world to go back to 2019, I think, are uh, delusional. Uh, and I, I'm not talking about the people just in the U.S. You know, I, I work with a lot of people across the world, and it's yeah. it's not any different. You know, if you talk to people in Asia or Europe, or or even Africa, I had a call earlier today with uh, um, a company out of Nigeria, and you mm-hmm. know, their mindset and everything is very similar. It's very employee centric, employee first yes. approaches, and I think that's the way to, that's the way the leaders have to lead in the future. That's absolutely right. Now, one one thing, one of the things I, I will say is I don't think it started with the pandemic. I think it was happening anyways, but it's just taking a very long time, and it was just god awfully slow. And the pandemic has accelerated it, right? Because as we were talking about the the, the software industry, the introduce and the introduction of technology, more business services companies, it was happening anyways, right? It's just more so now than ever because the pandemic has exposed it, has has accelerated it. Yeah. Yep. Well, well, thanks a lot, Drew. This was an exciting discussion, and I wish I could continue talking, but maybe we'll get you back on the show. Yeah, sure. Uh, but uh, just uh, where can people reach you and your organization? Uh, that'll be helpful for our audience to know. Yeah, sure. So definitely check me out, Drew Fortin, on LinkedIn, but you can check us out at levertalent.com. I'm always happy to chat, share stories, and see how we can help each other. Excellent. Well, thanks uh, again for joining, joining the show. This is the People's Strategy Leaders Podcast. Thanks, Shri. It was an honor. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People's Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag PeopleStrategyLeaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios for recording and mixing this show.